Hi, welcome to Two Towns Over. This show was made possible by our patrons, so if you would like to support us, we're at patreon.com slash two towns over. If you can't afford monetary donations, we are also at facebook.com slash ttopod. If you would share us around and give us five-star ratings on whatever podcast you're into, we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. You won't lose your head when you travel with Greyhound. There is much clearer because of it. Yep. So... All right, we're just going to go ahead and jump into it. Uh, hi, we, everybody. What are we jumping into this week again? We are jumping into the Greyhound Cannibal. The Greyhound Cannibal. I mm-hmm. don't know the story, actually. Okay. Um, so, hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Don. and I'm a leprechaun's taint. <laughs> a leprechaun's taint. We are missing our uh, octagonal humanoid. Um, no, 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 no. What was it's he? Fuck. Yeah. It's fuck. It changes every week. So it, I don't no, know. no, well, it's, it's always R-O-M. It's his initials. Um, okay. Yeah. So he's a random octopi muscle. Yeah. Yeah. He's not here today. He had uh, <laughs> he, he had some it. work that needed to be done uh, uh, dental-wise, and he's still recovering from that. So because of that, and because I took a vacation and didn't write a fucking thing this week as far as scripts go. Ruben has less teeth in his head now. Yes. Uh, hopefully that makes room for more brains. Um, <laughs> just Fuck. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, it didn't when I got one taken out. I think uh, it made me stupider. So what we are going to do is uh, most people do not know. When we did the Wendigo episode, oh, so many years ago. That was uh, like a year ago yeah, now, huh? There were actually two stories that we were going to discuss. Oh, yeah. About... Um, Wendigo psychosis. This was the other one? This was the other one. Rad. We never got to it because we spent so long on Swift Runner. Right. Well, because Swift Runner was such a good story. Yeah. So I don't know exactly if this will be a two towns over because it was originally part of a two towns over. Eh. Or will it be a it's campfire? A, it's a belated part two. It's a belated part. Wendigo part 1.5. Sure. Yes. Two t- Welcome to Two Towns Over, Wendigo Part 1.5. <laughs> so what we are going to talk about today, and it's going to be a shorter episode, guys, because again, um, I've been busy and uh, didn't get a lot written. And this was only supposed to be part of a two-part or longer episode. It's, I, I would have popped a script out too, but I worked like a fucking 60-hour week while Don was gone, so I did not get the chance. <laughs> I got fucking called in one day because one of my coworkers had some shit going on that had to be sorted and just had a baby, so couldn't really work around it. See, that's one good thing about working in customer or like a phone center. Uh-huh. If somebody calls out, it doesn't affect anybody else. Right. Yeah. It's still the same. And you it, maybe get like, what, a couple more phone calls that maybe. day? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. It could split up. Who cares? We but, all know what call center wait times are like, and that's why. Dude, there was a day, I want to say it was not this past Monday, but the Monday before. Uh-huh. The day after we recorded a Toys episode. Um, 
there was a point where there was a 45-minute hold time. Because I can look. Only on, 45 minutes? I can look on my on my screen, and I can look at the cues, and it'll tell me what the maximum wait time was. And there was 40-something 40 40 people on hold with a 45-minute wait time. Do you know how long I have to wait to talk to my power company? We're not the power company. Yeah, but you say 45 minutes, and I'm like, that's not that bad, because I've got to listen to shitty hold music for roughly two hours to talk to somebody at my power company. So you're you're doing better than FPU. (laughs) (laughs) FPU. Florida Public Utilities. Oh. I know FPL. There's another one, too, isn't there? Uh, I think that's just the one that's on the island. The FPU is, like, island only. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's right, because we had FPU when we lived out of Nassauville. Okay, so it's probably like uh, technically Fernandina Beach. Yeah, because we technically our address was Fernandina when we yeah, lived out there. Yeah, exactly. Even though everybody here knows that Fernandina is just the island, anything over the bridge doesn't count. <laughs> God, that's, you were such a fucking elitist. That's Yuli Dina. Yuli Dina. All right, so uh, what we're going to talk about today is the Greyhound cannibal, uh, Vincent Lee. Um, but he only cannibalized one person. Oh. So, yeah. Uh, when you call someone a grand name like the Greyhound cannibal, makes it sound like he cannibalized at least four or five. Well, this was also 15 years ago. So. Oh, really? I thought this was going to be... Mm-mm farther back than that no. okay so no this is yeah this is more B- bush era <laughs> yeah bush era oh july 30th yeah okay yeah the end of bush era okay yeah yeah, yeah. well it actually happened in canada too so oh okay yeah. so they're a lot more friendly up in canada eh? so on july 30th somewhere a canadian is cringing <laughs> with their headphones on so on july 30th 2008 tim mclean a carnival barker um out of winnipeg was returning home after working a fair in Edmonton. He departed Edmonton on board Greyhound Bus 1170 to Winnipeg via the Yellowhead Highway through Saskatchewan. He sat at the rear of the bus, one row ahead of the toilet. At 6.55 p.m., the bus departed from a stop in Erickson, Manitoba. Why did we need to know that it was one row ahead of the toilet? So you can kind of get a visual. I mean, that only works if you, like, no, whatever. Go on. You've go never on, been on. on a Greyhound bus type thing before with a bathroom? Uh, it's, I've been on like, you know, how, like for, for school trips, they'll do like charter buses. Yeah. 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 It's just like that. That's, that's that exactly what they're like yeah. with the fucking weird pattern seats and shit. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Except more depressing. <laughs> so. <laughs> a lot, lot, of, lot of sad people. A lot of sadness. With, with and, bags. Yeah. And, and dead eyes. And dead eyes. <laughs> yep. Starting their... Uh, Starting their protagonist journey. Yes. Uh, the bus departed from a stop in Erickson, Manitoba with a new passenger, Vince Lee, or Vincent Lee. I'm not even going to try because his middle name is the Japanese or Chinese name. and I'm not going to butcher it. Um, uh, probably Chinese if the last yeah. name is Lee. So, or is it L-I or is it L-I? L-I? Yeah. Korean? I, I have to No, know. it has to be China because he graduated from the Wuhan Institute of Technology. So he's Chinese. But that doesn't mean that he's Chinese. Vincent Lee? Yeah. Heard. <laughs> Give me a second. <laughs> Wei Guang? Yeah, Wei Guang. Something like that. 
Okay, he's Chinese Canadian. Okay, all right, we're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. So Lee, <laughs> described as a tall man in his forties with a shaved head and sunglasses, originally sat near the front of the bus, but moved to sit next to McLean following a scheduled rest stop. McLean barely acknowledged Lee, then fell asleep against the window pane, headphones covering his ears. Now Vincent Lee was born in Dandong, Liaoning, on April thirtieth, nineteen sixty-eight. In 1992, Lee graduated from Wuhan Institute of Technology with a bachelor's degree in computing. From 1994 to 1998, Lee worked in Beijing as a computer software engineer. Damn, he was a software engineer in the late 90s? Yeah. Fucking A. That's <laughs> that's early adopting right there. If mm. he hadn't become a cannibal, he could be like loaded <laughs> now. So Lee immigrated to Canada on June 11th, 2001, though some newspapers mistakenly reported 2004, and became, became a Canadian citizen on November 7th, 2006. Now, psychiatrist Stephen Yaron, who later examined Lee, said Lee was hospitalized in 2003 or 2004 after an incident with the Ontario Provincial Police. He was down with OPP. Yeah. Yeah, you know him. So he worked in Winnipeg. <laughs> he worked in Winnipeg at menial jobs at Grant Memorial Church for six months to support his wife Anna. I don't know why I said it that way. Support his wife Anna. Pastor Tom Castor <laughs> to, to, to support his wife Anna. Pastor Tom Castor, yeah, and <laughs> who employed Lee said he seemed happy to have a job and was committed to doing well, despite a language barrier with other congregation members. Caster told uh, CTV Winnipeg, I think he would occasionally feel frustrated with not being able to communicate or, or understand. But we have a very patient staff members, and he seemed to respond well. Caster also said that Lee did not show any signs of anger issues or any other trouble before he quit in the spring of 2005. He worked as a forklift operator in Winnipeg while his wife worked as a waitress. Damn, he was forklift certified? Yeah. <sighs> That's hot. So Lee first moved to Edmonton in 2006, abruptly leaving his wife alone in Winnipeg until she, until she joined him later. His jobs included service at Walmart, at a McDonald's restaurant, and newspaper delivery. delivery. Damn, man, that fucking sucks to have gone from getting a degree in computing yeah. to doing blue-collar jobs. Right. And then working, like, he, he was, what, a fucking greeter at Walmart? It's just a service, so maybe a cashier. Or... But even still, I mean, he was a uh, in a computer engineer or whatever programmer in China, right? Which is a you know a very uh, abusive and I can't think of the word. Yeah, but the skills still transfer, and that's what I said. By the way, isn't to shit on blue collar jobs or uh, or Walmart employees like. Every job like that is essential and to be appreciated and has to be done. But to have gone to all of the effort to have that degree in computing, to have the skills for coding and working with computers at a time when computers were just beginning to take over everything, or it's early 2000s now, right? Yeah, we're 2008 now. We're 2008 now. Yes, that's literally like the iPhone was about to come out or had just come out, I think. Right. That's that's when computers were taking over the entire world. Everything was switching to computer-based. 
and he has the skills for it, but he's not in that field, which is weird and like a shame to me. Yeah, but he may be happy to take those jobs because that's fair. You know, it's a job, right? So, oh no, no, any any job is a good job always, but it it's just crazy to me to have the at the time a very unique and vital skill set. Now you know it's I could learn how to code with Python on YouTube in forty five minutes. I could right. learn the basics. Yeah, but he learned it at a time when it was not accessible. He could have designed the programs that I would use to learn it as a layman today because he had a unique skill set back then. It's just crazy to me that he didn't stay in the computing field in any capacity. Yeah. So Lee first moved. I read that already. Sorry. Uh, his delivery boss, Vincent Augert, described Lee as reliable, hardworking, and not showing any signs of trouble. So four weeks before the killing, he was fired from Walmart following a disagreement with other employees. Shortly before the incident, Lee asked for time off from his delivery job to go to Winnipeg for a job interview. You asked for time off from work to go to a job interview? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) God damn it. That's kind of like how I put in my two weeks at Cricket. And I was like, she was like, well, can you work this day? I'm like, no, that's when my new job starts. Well, when I left um, Service Master, you know, I put in my two weeks and the the office managers told me, she's like, you do realize that they're not going to call you in to do any jobs because that's that's how that job was. It was a commission-based job. Oh, okay. And it's like, they're not going to call you in. They're not going to pay you, you know. Right. So, and I was like, okay, that's fine. I don't care. I could use a two-week break from all this. Yeah. And like a week later, I get a phone call. Hey, can you come in? We need your help on something. So. Did you go? I did. <laughs> eh, I was getting paid 17 something an hour. So oh, back yeah. in 2007. Shoo. So. Yeah, that's that's a fucking 12? chunk of change for Maybe 2007. I don't remember. Either way, it was 25% of, you know, uh-huh. I don't Either way. At 12.05 p.m. on July 28th in Edmonton, Lee boarded a Greyhound bus bound for Winnipeg. On July 29th, around 6 p.m., Lee got off the bus in Erickson, Manitoba, where at least three pe- with at least three pieces of luggage and stayed the night on a bench next to a grocery store. According to one witness, he was seen at 3 a.m. sitting bolt upright, eyes wide open. On the morning of July 30th, still at the bench, he sold his new laptop computer to a 15-year-old boy for $60. The laptop was seized by the uh, Royal Canadian Mounted Police's evidence. The boy was subsequently given a new laptop for his honesty by an anonymous businessman. Witness Garrett Canton said that the attacker, Lee, seemed oblivious to others when the stabbing occurred, adding that he was struck by Lee's calm demeanor. There was no rage or anything. He was like a robot stabbing the guy, he said. When he appeared in a Portage La Prairie courthouse on charges of second-degree murder, the only words Lee reported, reportedly uttered were pleas for someone to kill him. Jesus Christ. That's a far cry from, uh, uh, fuck, what was the, the Native American? Uh, Swift Runner? Swift Runner. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fucking far cry from him sitting there like, I can do it myself. Yeah. <laughs> at, at his execution, just eating snacks and being like, mm, 
I could just do it myself, you guys. We don't have to wait. <laughs> so according to witnesses, McLean was sleeping with his headphones on when the man sitting next to him suddenly produced a large knife and began stabbing him in the neck and chest. After the attack began, the bus driver pulled to the side of the road and he and all the passengers fled the vehicle or all the other passengers. The driver and two other men made an attempt to rescue McLean, but were chased away by Lee, who slashed at them from behind the locked bus doors. Jesus. Lee ultimately decapitated McLean and displayed his severed head to those standing outside the bus. Nice. And this seems like the perfect time to mention that this week's episode is sponsored by Greyhound Buses. <laughs> Leave the driving to us. <laughs> You won't lose your head no. when you travel with Greyhound. <laughs> um, use our use our promo code. Two, two cannibals 40. over. Two cannibals over. TCO pod. <laughs> so <laughs> to, to get uh, what percentage of the body is the head? Like ten percent to get ten percent off of your uh, Greyhound bus trip. So <laughs> with an extra discount if you're going to Canada. So Lee um, then returned to the body and began severing other parts and consuming some of McLean's flesh. Jesus fucking Christ. That's extra wild, too, because, like, it's not easy to take limbs off of a body with just a knife. You say this with what knowledge? You don't know where I've been or what I've done. It's unless it's like a heavily serrated blade, like you don't get through bones unless you know where to cut, like at the joints, which right. I mean, I guess maybe he did. <laughs> so, so, so at 830, well, I think when they said other parts of his body, it's not talking like uh, limbs. They're talking like his ears or his eyes. Oh, uh, yeah. I guess that would be easier. Yeah. So at 8.30 p.m., the Royal Canadian Mounted, Mounted Police in Portage La Prairie res- received a report of a stabbing on a Greyhound bus west of the city. That's more than a fucking stabbing. <laughs> I don't understand how he got his head off with just the knife. Like you say decapitated. Yeah. How long was he in there by himself? Because it seems like it would take a second. Uh, what time did it say it happened? does not say when it actually started happening, but the police received a call at 8 30 so for sometime between 6 55 and 8 30 so that's an hour i mean realistically probably happened like no more than five minutes before that phone call was placed although no because everybody had cell phones so it probably happened at fucking 8 29 somebody immediately ran off of that bus and already had 911 on the line yeah and this may not be in order they may have decapitated done the decapitation afterwards so it well, doesn't it's, give an exact time that he held the head up. Right. I was going to say they were all terrified looking right. in from outside. Um, God, just like you have to get through the spine. I guess I really don't know enough about anatomy and decapitation to say how hard I think that would be, but it doesn't <laughs> feel like it would be that easy. Limited experience. Limited yeah. experience. We had a couple. It's not on my resume. Brandon and I had a couple drifters. On this trip, yeah, but nothing really that I would say made me an expert. Well, and like, were their heads above average level of difficult to remove, or um, you know, just like the the typical 
drifter decapitation where it's, it's you know a weaker neck because you know they haven't been eating as much right so there's not as much skin and sinewy to it's cut because you, you got like a, a five minute decapitation and then someone's got like a really strong spine you got like a 20 minute decapitation yeah well i'm sure once you get down to the bone you can find between the vertebrae and just kind right of that's what through. i was thinking too well yeah. but it's like did he have like a serrated knife I think somebody re, re, uh, referred to it as a Rambo knife. So there's kind of a lot like of a cartilage survival. and shit that you got to get through in the yeah. neck. Yeah. Well, I don't know if if anybody out there knows how long it takes to decapitate somebody. Definitely uh, don't message us. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I don't want to be connected to you. Message us anonymously. Yes. <laughs> so uh, da, 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 da. they uh, the royal the mounted police arrived to find that the suspect was still on board the bus being prevented from escaping by another passenger. Uh, by another passenger, the bus driver and a truck driver who had provided a crowbar and a hammer as weapons. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> fuck, fucking Bubba pulled up. <laughs> now, the other passengers were huddled on the roadside, some of them crying and vomiting. As the suspect had earlier attempted to escape by driving the bus away, the driver had engaged the emergency immobilizer system, rendering the vehicle inoperable. Witnesses had observed the suspect stabbing and cutting McLean's body with a knife and carrying McLean's severed head. Jesus Christ, just parading up and down the <laughs> aisles of the Greyhound bus. I'm yeah. picturing him. You can see him put it on his shoulder and like, hey, what do you think? Right, right, right. right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just do, doing bits. Yeah. To be or not to be. That is the question. <laughs> what do you think, Skippy? Somebody knows Spalding. <laughs> So by 9 p.m., police were in a standoff with the suspect and had summoned special negotiators and a heavily armed tactical unit. The suspect alternately paced the length of the bus and defiled the corpse. I know what that usually means, but I I'm do American. Too. I don't know if that's actually what he did. I or... think that's what he did. <laughs> so police officers then observed Lee eating parts of the body. Meanwhile, the stranded passengers were transported from the scene to be interviewed at the Brandon uh, Royal Canadian Mounted Police Detachment. The Mounted Police officers reportedly heard Lee say, I have to stay on the, the bus forever. So on July 30th... Did he stay on the bus forever? No. So on Fuck. July 31st, What's 2008, at 1.30 in the morning, the suspect attempted to escape from the bus by breaking through a window. Wait, what time? 1.30 in the morning. So it's been since eight. So we're talking five and a half hours now. What the fuck? <laughs> Get him off. You really want to do that? Of the bus. Okay. You fucking. <laughs> You're the one saying he fucked the body. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the the article said he fucked the body. It said he defiled the body. And you and me both know. <laughs> so anyways. So the mounted police arrested Lee soon after. Uh, he was shot with a taser twice, handcuffed and placed in the back of a police cruiser. Parts of the victim's body, placed in plastic bags, were retrieved from the bus, while Eesh. his ear, nose, and tongue were found in Lee's pockets. Oh my fucking God, I'm just going to take this with me. <laughs> Pop this right in my little pocket right here. Pat's his pocket. So the victim's eyes and a part of his heart were never recovered, and are presumed to have been eaten by Lee. I hope he put the tongue like in in his like lighter pocket in his jeans. <laughs> you, you know the little extra pocket yeah. where you put like a lighter or a guitar that, pick. I thought that was for a pocket watch. Uh, technically, it is actually. Okay. Yeah, that we all still wear. I have a pocket watch. I used to, and I broke it. 
it never actually worked, but I look. I don't cool. wear it out often. It's a really nice one. Yeah. Yeah. I love my pocket watch. It's there's not a whole lot of occasions to wear a pocket watch though. Yeah. So at 10 a.m., Greyhound representatives took the other passengers to a local store and re- to replace their clothes, which remained on the bus. So the the luggage. Oh yeah, yeah. I bet they didn't want that back. <laughs> so they arrived in Winnipeg at 3:30 that day the afternoon to be reunited with family members and friends. I bet they tell people, yeah, uh, Greyhound lost my luggage. But it's it's not an airplane. You don't check luggage with Greyhound. You just have it with you. Greyhound lost my <laughs> luggage. I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> so Garrett Canton, um, a 26-year-old seismic driller who sat one row ahead of McLean, described hearing a blood-curdling scream saying, I turned around and the guy sitting right behind me was standing up and stabbing another guy with a big Rambo knife right in the throat repeatedly. Canton added, I got sick after I saw the head thing. Some people were puking. Some people were crying. Some people were shocked. The attacker just looked at us and dropped the head on the ground, totally calm. A police officer who was at the scene of the attack said the attacker also cut off parts of the victim's body and ate them. Another passenger, uh, Stephen Allison, stated that McLean fought his attacker, providing other passengers with the opportunity to get off the bus. Man, one final heroic act. Yep. So Leash. Although tri- I don't think he was going to start on anybody else. Yeah. To be honest, it seems like a. Oh, I, I don't know. It's random attack. Wendigo psychosis. Yeah. Mm. Even I don't even know if it's Wendigo psychosis. Although I do remember him in a video I saw on this. Back when I was researching it, he said that he was eating, he was basically eating the body to get rid of evidence. So I don't know if that counts as Wendigo psychosis or just complete batshit insanity. You, you gotta have a pretty big appetite there, buddy. Yeah, we need Terrare on that. Uh huh. <laughs> Terrare could have done it. Yeah. Man, if, he, if you have Terrare as a partner in crime. <laughs> You fucking perfect crime every single time. And he'll be happy to be there because you're feeding him. Exactly. So Lee's trial commenced on March 3rd, 2009, with Lee pleading not criminally responsible on account of mental disorder. I was going to say, I mean, that's, you could probably put a pretty strong case in for uh, not being mentally fit. Yeah, I would. Yeah. I mean. I don't need to be a genius lawyer to know what kind of plea we're putting in here. <laughs> so uh, this means he accept he accepted that the offense occurred, but claimed that he was unable to form the necessary mental element or means rea, which legal term. Yeah. The psychiatrist said that Lee performed the attack because he was hearing voices he believed were from God, telling him to destroy the demons sitting beside him, or he would be killed himself. The presiding judge, John Scurfield, accepted the diagnosis and ruled that Lee was not criminally responsible for the killing. Lee was remanded to the Selkirk Mental Health Center. I was going to say, that's a thing that I want to point out. People often think, oh, they did an insanity plea, uh, so he got away with it. That's not the case at all. Right. Oftentimes, the mental health facilities that they will put you in when you're taken in for an insanity plea, right, for a murder, are worse than the prison, right, that you would go to for the same crime. It's yeah, we're talking like Bethlehem, 
levels of right. Pe- people tend to think, oh, a murderer got off on an insanity plea. They did not get off no on that insanity plea. They are still going to be in a horrible, horrible prison. Right, like it's. And, you know, murderers think so, too. Ha, 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 I'll just plea insane, and they'll, I'll just go to a hospital and live a cushy hospital life. Nope. They are going to over-medicate the fuck out of you forever, and you're going to be miserable. Right. Your bed will be a little softer than the prison. (laughs) That's about it. Yep. So the week following the attack, Greyhound Canada announced it was, (laughs) I love this, this is so fucking funny. Greyhound Canada announced that it was pulling a series of nationwide advertisements, which included the slogan, there's a reason you've never heard of bus rage. Holy (laughs) fuck, man. Oh, my God. Wow. It was second only to who do I have to kill to get a decent bus ride around here? Yeah, <laughs> their their marketing guy. He was so proud of that idea. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Everyone at the board meeting was like, "Oh my god, finally, yeah. finally, a, a genius marketing idea printed everywhere. Spend a million on this. Yeah, nothing could possibly <laughs> ruin this marketing campaign." Uh, the incident had, has led to numerous calls and petitions demanding increased security on inner city buses. Now, the family of Tim McLean have brought a lawsuit of $150,000 against Greyhound, the Attorney General of Canada, and Vince Lee. On June 3rd, 2010, Lee was granted supervised outdoor walks within the mental health facility as voted by the Provincial Review Board. On February 16th, 2011, two passengers, Deborah Tucker and Kaylee Shaw, filed a lawsuit against Lee, Greyhound, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police and the Canadian government for being exposed to the beheading. They were. Uh, I don't. Uh, let me let me get your opinion on filing a lawsuit against them for that because, like, is it real? Like, what amount of culpability do they really have? For... Greyhound, I could say Greyhound could because they didn't have some kind of metal detector that found the knife. That's about the only thing I can think. Greyhound. I mean, he's could... allowed to have a knife, right? I don't know. I don't know the laws in Canada. Uh, there's probably a limit on how large the knife is allowed to be. They said this was a Rambo knife, so a survival knife. Yeah, well, that's how a fucking that's how another passenger described it. <laughs> True. I'm sure it wasn't just a little pea knife if he was right. severing the body. Well, if he decapitated him with it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I did find pictures of their ad campaign, by the way. Yeah. There's a reason you've never heard of Bus Rage. Yeah. <laughs> Commute with Greyhound. We're on our way. <laughs> yeah, they, they had a bunch of these, and uh, they did fully pull and replace all of them. So, uh, yeah, so the two women were each seeking $3 million in damages. On July 14th, 2015, the two women dropped their lawsuit. On May 30th, 2011, CBC, so the Canadian Broadcasting Center, Uh reported that Lee was responding well to his psychiatric treatment and that his doctor had recommended that he receive more freedoms phased in over several months. On May 17th, 2012, the National Post reported that Lee had been granted temporary passes that would allow him out of the Selkirk Mental Health Center 
for visits to the town of Selkirk, supervised by a nurse and peace officer. Did he take a bus back to town? <laughs> Come on. Come on. You know he did. Sure, it does. But it wasn't a greyhound. <laughs> in an interview, Lee spoke for the first time, saying that he began hearing the voice of God in 2004 and that he wanted to save the people from an alien attack. On February 27, 2014, CBC reported that on March 6, Lee would be allowed to have unsupervised visits to Selkirk, starting at 30 minutes and expanding to full-day trips. Since 2013, he has been allowed to have supervised visits to Lockport, Winnipeg, and nearby beaches. Those visits were then relaxed. On July 17, 2014, the Toronto Sun reported that one of the first officers on the scene, Corporal Ken Barker, of the uh, Royal Canadian Mounted Police had committed suicide. The family stated in his obituary that he had post-traumatic stress disorder. Fair. Yeah. That's a thing. Like, I think I've mentioned this before, but if you watch like true crime docs and stuff all the time, you'll see, you'll see the two sides of uh, people who investigate homicides. There is always the, uh, detective who gets there you'll see the homicide detective and the homicide detective will talk about it like it's tuesday it's a regular day of the week yeah i got there and uh apparently the uh criminal had uh decapitated the victim uh he had eaten portions of the body he had severed multiple pieces off of it and uh so yeah it was pretty gruesome crime scene and then it'll switch to the fucking regular everyday cop that just was the first one on the scene because they were unfortunate enough to be closest and get there first. And those people are so clearly fucking traumatized. Like, you know, I'm not one to defend cops generally, but man, they, a lot of times are not ready to see that. Right. The the homicide detectives de- completely desensitized. <laughs> completely desensitized. Probably traumatized in their own way, but desensitized. It's not a big deal for uh, no, this, another decapitation. Ugh, this is the fifth one I've seen this year. But the fucking beat cop right. that has no idea what they're about to stumble on, they are traumatized yeah. by that shit. Like, I'm sure the, the first cops that arrived at Dahmer's place and found the that... Yeah. That, uh-huh. Just thinking about that puts me yeah. in Yeah. The cops who stumbled into Ed Gein's house? Yeah. Oh, a yeah. A literal house of horrors. Right. Oh, my God. The man had a, a nipple belt. <laughs> a belt made of nipples, Don. <laughs> was it a nipple doorknob or was it a vagina door or doorbell? I can't remember. Oh, uh, no. I know that he had... Uh, it was either uh, vaginas or human lips that were the pull cords on his fan. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I can't wait till we do that. That's going to be. Oh, I have to write that one. I fucking <laughs> love Ed Gein so much. I can get you the depraved. Was it depraved? Uh, it, it, Depraved. It's another D word. Yeah. That's like almost deviant. just. I think deviant. deviant. Deviant is Ed Gein. Depraved was fish. Yeah. 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 So by the Ed way, Gein's if you ever want to read story. De- depraved don't quote me saying how much i love ed gein i love the story of <laughs> ed gein i don't love what ed gein did to human bodies right and the sad thing is he's considered a serial killer he wasn't a serial killer he's it's arguable ghoul. it's actually very arguable i'll go on probably i'll probably spend a page or three talking <laughs> about how arguable it is that he may or may not 
technically be a serial killer with the three kills rule. It's he's actually a very unique case in the world of serial killers. Mm. Uh, on February uh, 27th, 2015, CBC News reported that Lee was given unsupervised day passes to visit Winnipeg so long as he carried a functioning cellular telephone while using them. Swear to God, I thought you were going to say so long as he carried a knife. <laughs> on May 8th, <laughs> 2015, uh, CTV, excuse me, CTV News reported that Lee would be granted passes to group homes in the community. And in February of 2016, it was reported that Lee had legally changed his name to Will Lee Baker. Willie Baker. And was seeking to leave his group home to live independently. He won the right to live alone on February 26th upon the recommendation of the Criminal Code Review Board. Willie Baker? Willie Baker. No, he eats a raw. <laughs> oh my God. Fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> and on February 10th, 2017... The Manitoba Criminal Code Review Board ordered Lee to be discharged. Lee was granted an absolute discharge. There will be no legal obligations or restrictions pertaining to Lee's independent living. Damn, so it was like what? Not not even 10 years? Not even. Nine years total. I mean, you would really hope. I'm going to choose to believe that I can have more faith in Canada's ability to rehabilitate. Yeah people after something like this i'm going to choose to believe that i can have more faith in them than us because in america i would not believe that somebody has been rehabilitated in that time period but i'm hoping that canada's real good at it and managed to rehabilitate this man Maybe. and hopefully he stays rehabilitated well, Canada has socialized medicine. So. Right, exactly. That's that's what I mean. Maybe it's the same across the board, unlike us. Right. Plus, we're not going to give our criminals good mental health care. Right. That's free labor. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... The school-to-prison pipeline. Yep. But, so that's it. That was the story. That would have been the second part of the Wendigo uh, true crime part. Yeah. Um, but... We just had so much fun with Swift Runner that it just... We did. It was such a fun story. And this this back... one was actually pretty good, too. I... It was really good. Yeah. Um, this was also back when we actually tried to keep our episodes short. Yeah, I remember when we like had a format. Yeah. <laughs> when we had a format and we had you know goals that we kept it under an hour and a half. Yeah. And, uh, we tried to stay on track. Yeah. I just gave up. Uh, we have come into our own. We have... It worries me so that I think the West Memphis Three may end up being like an eight-part episode series. Quite honestly, <laughs> oh, I mean, because you know we're gonna start talking about how there was a rush to judgment and there was all kinds of criminal or police misconduct. You know, we're not gonna get. It's also just such a wild story, the West Memphis Three, that you could make it a fucking eight-part series on its own, like yeah. w without our tangents, even. Yeah. But I'm hoping, hoping I can keep it because technically, as far as the book that I'm using, Devil's Knot, is concerned, I'm almost to the end of what I can use because okay. that book was written back in the early 2000s. Right. There's been a lot of right. developments since yeah. then. And there was a lot of speculation with... back then on who the killer could have been uh -huh. that has come out. No, it's not possible that it could have been him. Yeah. So and I will even just relatively very recently the it was discovered that all of the evidence that they said was destroyed actually wasn't yep. and 
So we got a lot to discuss on that. So that's going to be. I can't wait. That's going to be relatively soon, too. Yeah, relatively soon. We got D&D is about the only. Well, D&D is the only other major story. Then we got a few one-offs like uh, Pazuzu, Algarod, uh, Billy. Not Billy. What the fuck's his name? Ricky Casso. And uh, the. We're going to talk about McMartin. Hypnosis. Yeah, McMartin's a big one. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, leading up to the peak, which will be um, West Memphis. And then hopefully we don't have to spend way too much time for everybody's sanity on QAnon. So, yeah. Fuck. We're like yeah. significantly more than halfway through the uh, yeah the Satanic Panic series. I'm hoping we can hit D&D all in one episode. I think we can. I think so. But having four people in here, because I don't want to have to bring or make... Uh, Sat come back. Yeah, or sit through a sit fucking through five a, hour recording yeah. session. Yeah. I did get to thinking when we get around to doing Scientology, that's another one I think I want Will to be here. Yeah. <laughs> you just like to bring Will in on the craziest possible ones. Exactly. Will's gonna love that though. But um speaking of, we saw something rotten. Oh yeah. Oh my god, it was so fucking funny. I unfortunately could not make it. Will is with my work schedule. Amazing oh that. yeah. And literally, it was the it was the part he was born to play. That is his I know. Sir Robin. Yep. But um, literally, even if he was on stage, even if he was in the background, he was still the focus. Yeah. As far as exactly. I was concerned. Oh, um, while we're on it, I've actually got a couple of quick shout outs I want to do. Uh, one of our patrons, yeah. Mason. Okay. Uh, Mason just recently, he and his girlfriend had their first baby so congratulations mason on little baby gabriel and uh congrats angel as well since you know it took both of you to do a child (laughs) so let's uh, be honest angel did more (laughs) she definitely did (laughs) um so congrats mason and angel on little baby gabriel and um i wanted to shout out uh mark's music has yeah. been blowing up lately, Good. actually. Uh, Martin has, like, more streams on Spotify than us. Really? Yes. Well, now it's on. <laughs> so Mark has gone kind of insano style on uh, his music. His his main song, uh, Bluebird, is the one that's really blown up, and it's such a fucking good song. I fucking love it. He's got a, a great music video for it that he put on YouTube, too. That has also got uh, several thousand hits, yeah. which for a small artist, you know, is huge on a music video. His name has changed, though. It's not Marky Marksman anymore. No, no, no. It's, it's, not, it's not Marky Marksman anymore. It's uh, Mark Turco. Turco. Okay. T-U-R-C-O. So, yeah, if you're, if you're out there, you've, if you've listened to our show, he was with us on the uh, Krampus and the Vlad the Impaler episodes. Yep. Um, go give him a little love. Yeah, absolutely give him a little love because he's starting to take off. Be an, be an early Mark Turco adopter. There you go. Because his music is... I've, I've always liked the music that Mark has put out. It's kind of like mellow or not, not it, mellow, but Well, it's, it, it is. It's mellowed out a lot. It's it, His style's completely changed and yeah. it's a lot more... Like, you, 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 can, you can hear and feel the amount of effort that he has started to put into it and it's... It's very genuine. It's really good shit. He's only got a handful of songs on Spotify right now, but he's getting ready to drop a whole EP. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Let him know when he does. Let us know and we'll 
fucking plug it again. Yeah, we'll plug it again. Speaking of shout outs, we want to shout out uh, someone who actually pays to get shout out. Uh, we have a new uh, patron uh, who goes by the name of Tessa. Uh, I'm going to say it that it's T-E-S-S-A, but the A is capitalized. I don't know if it's supposed to be Tessa or... It's Tessa. Or Tessa. But uh, yeah. So again, um, we have a Patreon. Uh, it's two towns over. Patreon.com slash two towns over. We have five tiers. Yeah. Five different tiers uh, starting from $2 going all the way to 20 mm-hmm. uh, The first three tiers you get either... Uh, Two dollar tier, you just get your name called out. Uh, yeah. Five dollars, you get uh, early episodes. Episodes early. Uh, I can't say a week early because life gets in the way. But we try to get them out as early as possible, earlier yeah. than the main release. Um, it depends on how much nonsense is occurring in exactly. real life. How much? Yeah, or how much has to be edited out. Uh, the ten dollar tier, you get bonus episodes. Uh, sometimes it's just more tangents, like what we released last week. Or uh, we also are currently almost more than halfway through our demonology. Uh, we've uh, only got a few more demonology episodes. Training Those courses. have been coming a little slow, but we're almost done with that. And we're going to start working uh, on maybe another course after that. Either that or we may do a Call of Cthulhu role-playing game playthrough. Yeah. Um, I'll see if I can just find a... That's a thing we've been talking about for a long time is trying to break into uh, D&D a little bit. Right. So I don't want to announce our super top secret name for our D and D podcast. It's called Two Tables Over. Isn't that fucking funny? Because it's a tabletop RPG. Don's a genius. But uh, I don't think that was me. Was it not? No, I wanted to name it Two Taverns Over. Oh, and I was downvoted. So I think were you? Was pretty sure. Was that Ruben then? Pretty sure. I may have like thrown it off, like offhand, like we're flying two tables over then. And I think maybe that, but. Either way, as of now, tentatively, we're looking at doing a um, run-through of a Call of Cthulhu uh, RPG uh, session. Um, I'll look at a, uh, a pre-made one, not making that up just for bonus episodes. Yeah. But um, but yeah, that that hopefully, if, if we enjoy that, that will lead into a much larger, uh, possibly new series. So, or a new podcast. Yeah, um, we would run it separately. So you'd still be getting all the regular content like you are now, but for the people who are into it, we would also have some D&D content going on. Right. Which, let's be honest, D&D is why this podcast existed in the first place. But speaking of D&D, our next episode, uh, for those of you who are like, what the fuck are they talking about this bus dude for? What happened to Satan? Don't worry. We have not turned our backs on Satan. <laughs> um, this literally is, I took a vacation last week. So this is just kind of, we had this kind of in the bank. Cause like I said, it was part of the Wendigo episode that just never got aired. So this is kind of like a, uh, found footage type episode. Uh, if you want to call it that, uh, from the vaults. Sometimes we got to break it up a little bit because yeah. there's only so much Satan you can take. There's only so much Satan you can take. He's very thick. <laughs> and there's only so, so much time in the day also when we still have to all work day jobs to get by. But our next episode, which uh, you will hear the week following this, will be at least our first or possibly the whole, depending on how things go, uh, our D&D uh, Satanic Panic episode. 
Uh, we've got a little, we got a special guest coming, someone who is uh, integral to the formation of this podcast. He That's doesn't also know the closest thing that we have access to that would be a certified expert on D and D. Well, that's Ruben more or less. Well, yeah, but Zach fucking ran a card shop. Like, but, um, so yeah, so that's, that's what's coming up. If you're all still listening, um, just want to thank everybody again for giving us this time to take a, 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 a breather. Yeah, uh, we but um, we really have the best fan base because like really do. you guys are so patient <laughs> and understanding and it's I it's almost nicer to have the small great audience that we do right now than I think it will be to have a massive audience one day. Yeah, because you get the massive audience that's going to start being well, they don't sound like they used to. Right. I like the old yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's you. You get stuff like that. That's it's it's nice to know the names of half of our listeners in just, some capacity right now because i i know that like mason's not stressed i i know i know lex isn't stressed yeah that, uh or what's, carly carly carly's not too fucking worried yeah, about it John yeah. D, she can wait jordan uh-huh um but it's speaking of it's funny because i posted by the way we have a tiktok account just look up two towns over podcast on tiktok uh, have a few uh, videos, including some video or some TikToks from my trip, uh, where we went to the Mothman Museum. But Jordan commented on the TikTok, you know, did you touch the butt? Because I yeah, didn't put the butt picture that. in the, and I said, yeah. And it's funny because the next night there was a picture of me touching the butt on the Discord <laughs> with the kids or the the small kids from um, or the small fish from Finding Nemo going, he touched the butt. Yep. So, and Cindy actually did a, a Finding Nemo reference too on the Facebook page because that's where the butt picture is. If you want to see a grown man, I don't know. If you want to see a grown man go out of his way to touch the metallic ass of a statue, go to our Facebook page, TTO or Facebook.com slash TTO pod, and you'll find that picture, that glorious, glorious. Guys, you have no idea. You could literally, if it wasn't made of metal, you would still. Be able to bounce a quarter off the Mothman's ass. I know. I felt <laughs> it. It was like spun steel. It's Anyways, more than a handful for sure. It's more. Oh, yeah. More than a handful. My hand looked small compared to that ass. So anyways, guys, so we're going to wrap it up. Thank you guys for listening to us. Thank you guys for sticking it out while we took a, a little break. Though you don't really know that we took a break. And uh, we will see you next week with the full um, team again. Yep. And we will see you next time. He's so. been Don. I've been a lepre- Leprechaun's Taint this episode, go. I think. Yes. I've been Mothman's Ass Handler. And we nice. will see you guys next time. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.